Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Well, today, Peggy is back with me again because we still didn't say everything we needed to in the last session. Praise the Lord, Peggy doesn't have to come too far. She just lives down the road from me, so that works out great. Anyway, Peggy, you had a few thoughts on your heart that you wanted to share, Um, so go for it. (laughs) Well, we were just talking about uh, the power of Scripture and how that is... um, something that seemed to really spark the outrage of, of the crowd where we were at that rally. And I've, I've seen examples of that since, which we'll talk about. Um, and I just want to emphasize the importance of standing firm in your faith and what the Bible says is true and right. There is absolute truth and it is God's word. And that's, that's what all of civilization has been built on mm. for thousands of years now. Mm. Um, and so to try to just erase that in a generation is absurd. But people, we have to stand firm. Mothers, stand firm. As, um, as it says in Ephesians 6, we want to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil Mm. We know about the whole armor of God. The schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil are on fire right now, and they're Mm. going after our kids. Mm. So we must stand, and we must stand with the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And I'm telling you, the flaming arrows are coming, and they're coming at our children So we, the adults, those who know the Lord, those who are teaching those children and protecting those children must stand firm with our shields to protect our children. And those flaming darts are coming, and we just have to deal with it. They can't really hurt us because that's all they are is flaming darts. There's nothing to it. There's no substance. Remember that. But we must, must stand firm. So that's the most important thing um, that I want everybody to remember. Um, And, you know, looking at that Ephesians chapter 6 chapter um, and putting on the whole armor of God, which you mentioned, I I was just thinking as you were talking about uh, another verse in this passage. And, of course, we know it starts at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Mm. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And uh, then it goes on down to verse 14 Mm. where it talks about the very first piece of armor we are to put on. And I find it very, very interesting because we notice that the very first piece of armor is truth. 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 It starts with truth. We've got to put on truth because if we don't have truth, 
we can just be pulled in every direction. And, and this is what all these precious children and young people and college students that today that are being brainwashed, they do not have a foundation of truth in their lives. And this is our responsibility, mothers. Oh, pouring truth into our children. And as Peggy mentioned in our last session, we must give our children the objective truth. That's the ultimate uh, truth, which is God's word. Because so much of truth today is just subjective. It's what I feel is right what I think is right, what I've been told. But no, that is not truth. It's only what is written in this word. And so we've got to give the word daily to our children. But this truth, okay, where, and this is what I find very interesting. It's amazing. Where do we put on truth? Okay, it's the first one. And, and where do we start? Okay, when, when the soldier begins putting on his armor, dressing himself, what piece of armor does he put on first? He puts on that girdle uh, around that covers all his hips. Now, I do have to say that if you are reading a modern translation of the Bible, you will most probably read, put on the belt of truth. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say, ladies, where do they get that? Because here, in my King James Bible, and I'm not a King James only, I do love to read other translations, but I'm always checking things out carefully. And when I noticed other translations saying the belt of truth, I thought, wow, I better look this up and check. Where do they get this? So I look it up in the Greek and I read, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So I look up loins mm. and I find the word means your procreative area of your body. Mm. That's, you know, all around your hips. And we know if you look at a picture of a Roman soldier, he puts on this girdle. Now, I will concede it may be held up with a belt, yes, or it might fall down. So he's got to have a belt to hold it up. But can you imagine a soldier going out to walk with just a belt? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Exposing his private parts. And, of course, that soldier... One of his biggest things was to protect his private parts, to protect uh, his fertility, to protect uh, those uh, procreative organs. Back then, I mean, that was the most important thing for a man. And uh, so, I'm sorry, ladies, he didn't just put on a belt. He put on a girdle that completely covered and protected his procreative power. Now, isn't this interesting that this is where truth starts and the thing that God uses is this area of our bodies. And this particular area of our bodies is where not only the secular world, but most of the Christian world is in deception. They are in deception about this area of their body. I mean, even in the Christian world, most Christians do not 
protect their procreative power? No, many of them are completely stopping it. Oh, I don't know. I've had two children. That's enough for me, thank you. Okay, well, let's make sure that it cannot be used. Well, we'll even perhaps have a tubal ligation or vasectomy. We'll get the snip so we can stop it completely. That's not protecting your procreative power. And nor is it the truth of the word of God. Because in the word of God... It never speaks about, you know, keeping to your 1.9 children per family. No. The Bible speaks about the blessing of children, of increase and multiplying and filling the world with the godly seed. And so right at the very beginning here, even putting on the armor of God, we're seeing how this is so important to God and therefore... It's going to be where the enemy attacks. So once again, okay, for the man it is his loins, but for the woman it is her womb. So we're coming right back to this very area, the womb. This is what Satan and all his cohorts and all those who he's brainwashing, they, that's what they're coming against. The womb man, the womb man, the womb. It's the attack against the woman, the attack against the womb. And so we begin to see it even right here in putting on the armor of God. Amen? Yes. Okay. What's your next little bit you were going to share about there? Well, Nancy, you just gave me goosebumps with that because I had never thought about the, the girdle being specifically to protect that area. Yes. But I think that's, that's so relevant right now and what's happening here. Mm. And um, thank you. Thank you for that observation because mm. it's true. It's true. And we have got to protect. Um, I wanted to, to sort of get back to this whole topic of what is actually being done to our children yes. right now. Mm. Um, Toward the end of the, uh, the rally, they brought out politicians, state politicians, um, and our, uh, a senator, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Um, but I, I was glad to hear them say that as soon as they meet back, these are state representatives, as soon as they meet back, they're going to start some legislation to end surgery on minors, uh, transition surgery on minors, which is wonderful. But what I did not hear them say was that they wanted to end any of the other treatments, hormonal treatments, puberty blockers, mm -hmm. um, these other things they're doing that also permanently alter these children. Mm. Uh, surgery is not the only way mm. to sterilize a child. You mm. can do it with hormones. You can also just mess up their development of their organs so um, the male organs never grow and develop into reproductive organs. Mm. They just remain childlike. Mm. And for girls, they would begin to grow in a way that girls' organs were never meant to grow. Mm. Also, women would begin to grow hair, their voices deepen, mm. and their uh, ovaries and reproductive organs do not form in such a way that they'll be able to produce children later in life. So the hormones are just as important as the surgery. Mm. Surgery is obvious, but the other is just as dangerous. So I would ask, you know, call your representatives. 
local, state, and, and federal, and say not just surgery, all of it needs to be stopped on minors. And parents need to be given back control and decision-making power in their children's elective medical care. This is not considered by the Biden administration to be elective medical care. It's considered to be necessary Mm-hmm. medical care are they literally make the argument that if a woman who has cancer needs a hysterectomy why does a child who has uh, gender dysphoria why should they be deprived of a hysterectomy oh. i'm serious this is the logic they're using i mean and having these hysterectomies goodness me they'll go into menopause before they before they've ever hit puberty before they've even kind of <laughs> ever lived life this is just horrific yeah it, i mean it, we're laughing but it's it's not funny it's very real yeah. and it is happening so y'all you know put on your shoes of readiness and your your shield and your sword and get out there and yes. fight so that really see here we are in a pretty conservative state and all this is happening many of you are in liberal states and your politicians won't even be saying okay well we would like to stop surgery they they'll even before that but you can have power you can have a say um so email call and uh, tell them that they you they are representing you and you want them to stand against all surgeries for mutilating children and all puberty blockers and uh, we all need to do this in all our states. Amen. Amen. Oh, another thing I was thinking of as we were talking, you know, how these precious young girls and teens and even older, they, uh, they're cutting off their womb. They're having his, hysterectomies. They're, they're trying to take everything away that makes them a woman. And, and I was thinking, you know, where it says in Proverbs how there are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four that say not. It is enough. The grave, and then the second one is the barren womb. The womb cries for life. It's it's never satisfied. It longs for life and to bring forth life. Even women who have, um, you know, they'll have a tubal ligation to stop having children, and because maybe they're overwhelmed and they feel as though they can't cope. But then a few years go by and, wow, these little children who were so overwhelming are now growing and now they've got this, oh, their womb is crying for life again. And, and sometimes it's unbearable. It's just so intense. And so therefore, many, many women will have reversals to reverse and hopefully that they could have another child. But... um you know, this is normality, but these people, these young children and, and young people, uh, they will always have, well, they won't even have wombs, let alone mm-hmm. a barren womb. Okay. Yes. And even actually um, heterosexual uh, young adults in college um, are being discouraged from having families. So it's it's kind of a trend, too, yeah. of to just not have children. You know, yeah. you have young men and young women go ahead and have the vasectomy or have the tubal ligation before they ever have ch- children. Yes, and see, it is all the whole uh, number one. It's number one on the new, on the World Economic Forum, the New World Agenda. 
that is to reduce the population of the world by millions. So they're doing everything they can to bring in infertility through vaccinations, now through this transgenderism, in every way they possibly can. But in this society of death, wow, we should be more pro-life and proactively open to bring forth life than never before. Don't you think? Oh, yes. I think I think it takes um, just a huge determination and and a decision. If you're if you are going to to bring forth life into this world, you have a responsibility then to protect it. Yes, and yes. it's a tall order right now. Mm. You know, oh. with with what the world is trying to do, it's coming across everything. It's everywhere. Like I said last time, I think it's like smoke coming under the doors and through all the cracks you know you just have to constantly be trying to battle it back but it can be done but it's not a time to stop having children some people would say okay but how do i bring children into this evil world well this is why we bring them in because they are going to be the light they're going to bring the truth and you know god wants his people to multiply so that they will be more and mightier than the heathen. Just as when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they multiplied and filled the land, and that's what happened. They became more and mightier than the Egyptians. And so that's what God wants God for his people. God can do anything. Yes. God can do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can overpower anything. This may seem big. It seems big because the media is covering it as if, you know, 50% of the population or some huge percentage of the population is is transgender. That is not true. It's no. a tiny percentage of the population. I don't even know why we're talking about it, except that they're doing it to our children. Um, it's coming through the, the internet. It's coming through everywhere. We're being bombarded with all this, you know, I call it Marxist stuff, woke stuff, whatever you want to call it. It's not true. It's just being what we're what we're being shown, yes, right? And what we're not being shown. We were not shown that legislation, that executive mm. order that that Biden put through in August in time for any for people to speak about it. I don't know where it was publicized, but I sure missed it. And I watched, I read the news every day. Mm. Um, so you you have to be so proactive. Um, but yes, we need to bring children into this world and bravely with confidence because God loves us mm. and. He expects us to be the ones, if not us who, will stand up and fight back and protect. Uh, the world can't go on. With, you know, what will happen if, if we just leave this alone? Mm-hmm. We're going to lose the country that we've all taken for granted. We're going to lose the ability to worship as we would mm-hmm. like to worship. You know, freedom mm-hmm. of religion, freedom of speech, these are important parts of our mm-hmm of our lives and we've enjoyed this freedom in the United Mm. States for such a long time and it is absolutely under attack religion Mm. has been under attack but now more more clearly than ever Um, faith in the Lord and I will tell you that that scripture drove those people out of their minds at the at the rally one girl even had a sheet sort of on a some sort of a little extender thing that she could make you know make herself taller um, like sticks sort of or a tent pole and she stood right behind my husband and tried to cover up his scripture with her sheet the whole time and I just thought well that is just the silliest thing you know you're, yeah. you can't cover you can't cover up 
God's word with a sheet. But they are scared of God's living word. Oh, oh yes. Now tell us the story of what happened to these young people when they went to stand up for truth. Um, oh, okay. It was yes when they someone was showing Matt Walsh's What Is a Woman. Yes, it was at um, the University of Wisconsin, yeah. and this happened on Monday night. The the uh, rally was on Friday. So I was saying, it seems like something's happened every day since. But um, Monday night, there was a screening of What is a Woman, which is a documentary, Daily Wire. If y'all can find a way to watch that, you really should. Um, And as expected, there were protesters there. And I'm sure it was the same ilk that we had. Um, But a local church, uh, wasn't a youth group, it was young adults. This young man was 19, and he was described in an article as a street preacher, Um, but the youth, the young people from a local church decided to go and interact with the protesters outside the screening of what is a woman. And in the course of trying to talk uh, with one of the protesters, this young man set down his Bible. He's 19 years old. The protesters picked up his Bible, began shredding it and throwing the pages in the street. And then they began eating the pages of the Bible eating the word of God. I, I'm not so, yeah, I would have been surprised. I wasn't, I'm not surprised after having been in the presence of those people because it was so animalistic the way they were behaving. And this just sounds like a bunch of animals too. But the young man was, was very, um, very wonderfully Christian in the way he handled it. I mean, he was he was sad about losing his Bible. He said it was his study Bible and he used it every day. But he said he was very glad to see that they were digesting the Word of God, which I was good. Yeah, well, let's see what happens out of that. Well, you know, it's just <laughs> yes. one more example. Anyway, so you were also going to mention um, this last Monday night of what uh, we were doing here locally. Oh. <laughs> yes. And actually, I think I mentioned to you before, ladies, how here in our Hickman County, where we live in Tennessee, we have been doing this great big thing called Save Lick Creek. Save Lick Creek. Woo! <laughs> yes. Well, this beautiful, it's, it's called Lick Creek, L-I-C-K, but it's really a beautiful river. It's a little bit low at the moment because we've had a drought, but it's beautiful. And uh, this um, Serene and Sam's land just borders on this river. And, um, you know, so many of our family, the children, they swim there, they fish there, they can even get trout um, and uh, they kayak there. And it's it's this river is pure spring and they are trying to put in billions of dollars of waste into it and we've been standing up against it. Well, on Monday night, they had a meeting and sadly, Colin and I couldn't be there. We had another appointment, which was so sad because we love rallies. If Colin and I can get to a rally and we can get our, you know, our banners up, we just love it. I mean, we were there on January 6th that um, great day, which, um, you know... (laughs) Um, that that was just such a great day too. The amazing thing was when we were there, uh, we were at right up at the Capitol for about two or three hours and uh, actually never saw one thing of all the things that everybody you know, <laughs> so-called saw. But anyway, back to this rally. We couldn't be there, but um, Tim and Peggy were there and um, so she can tell a little bit about it. But it just shows you 
what she is going to share of how, you know, we've been talking about standing up, calling our politicians, but really we have got to start at our local level because every county has commissioners. Do you know who all your commissioners are? Well, I have to confess, I didn't even know who ours were. Until we began to face all this, I'd never even bothered about local, you know, government at all. But now I'm realising how important it is. It determines the whole way we live. But anyway, over to you, Peggy. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Vange, your daughter Vange, whispered to me during the hearing that, um, isn't it amazing how these uh, 14 people's yay or nay is going to determine the future for so many, for our whole county? Um, and it really did come down to just one person at the end of the night. Yes, so um, it was a resolution that um, was going to be voted on. And yes. so we all had to be there, even though we couldn't get there, sadly, um, to have opportunity to get up and speak and, uh, and, and so on. And then these 14 commissioners were going to vote. And they will be doing things like that in your county all the time. Mm -hmm. And you really got to know what they're voting about because here we are, very conservative county, but woo. rural. We yes. don't have to worry about the rest of the world no. out here, we thought. <laughs> We're just not even in the city. And yet here these guys were, they weren't standing for the people in their community. They had their own agendas. Well, you know, you've always got to follow the money, don't you, Nancy? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That um, yeah, this was not the war. This was a battle, mm -hmm. and praise God, we won the battle. And I do, I do want to say that throughout the day on Monday, I was, I was in prayer about it, and I was writing what I wanted to say, but I wasn't feeling optimistic. I was feeling pretty defeated. Um, this was about basically they were trying to lay the groundwork to be able to run this, uh, the plumbing for this huge wastewater facility that would service two other counties, not this county, we're rural. Um, it would service the, the sewage from two other counties and dump it in our creek, you know, process it and dump it in our clean creek. Obviously, we don't want this. And this was about stopping just this sort of preliminary thing that they were trying to do. And praise the Lord, we won that battle. I, but I was not confident you know, and I wish that I, I felt bad about that afterwards because God can do anything. God can move any mountain. We just have to let him and we have to pray and be faithful and confident that he can and he will. Okay. And he did. But um, it was wonderful, true, to see our, our community come together. I, mm. The Save Lake Creek is mm. a, sort of a really eye-popping neon yellow-green colors, yes, yes. and it was just luminous a sea yellow. of luminous, like, uh, yeah, blaze yellow um, yes. in that room, and people just speaking from their hearts, passionately, desperately trying to defend the creek, and we're a small group. It's a rural area. We don't have a big population um, up against, you know, a lot of people with a lot of money, with a lot at stake, um, and we went in there and we were able to say our piece and it was reasonably civil and yeah there was a lot of lying going on there was a lot of self-interest it was hard to figure out what was true and what wasn't true but at the end of the day you know you don't want sewage from neighboring counties dumped in your creek you know that much you know that's true um and we were able to to do as america does argue the case speak both sides in a reasonably civil way 
and praise God, you know, it was a tie, which meant that it did not pass. So whew, we're okay this time. We got to win the war still. Yes. But it was wonderful yes. to see that happen because our, our political system has become so contentious. And it's like, I'm right and you're wrong about absolutely everything. And, and you're either far right or you're far left. And I think most people are, are you know, have issues where they're in the middle. You know, not everybody is all the way to the right or all the way to the left. And probably the vast majority, but people are afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. So we get right back to that armor of God. Put it on and speak up. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid of the names and the horrible labels that you're going to get hit with because... You're just, it's just what's going to happen. You know, that's our, that's our, unfortunately, that's the culture that has sprung up in this, in this time that we live in. Yes, yes. So anyway, as Peggy said, we won that battle and we've still got a way to go, um, even with Lick Creek, but it will continue with our commissioners and we have seven who uh, were uh, against our, our beautiful creek being polluted. But seven uh, were, they, they were quite happy for it to happen. I, I don't think they really wanted that for Lick Creek. But, you know, as you said, they, they were controlled by money and other things. And so we will still have to keep going with this battle. But um, I just share that with you, ladies, because um, I think we've all got to start being more proactive right down at the local level with commissioners, school boards, um, mayors, sheriff, all these people who determine the way we live. In fact, in the end, wow, the, the, the final decision about this creek will determine the generations to come. Mm-hmm. Woo. And it'll be that same. And group it'll be of these. Yes. So we have. Anyway. So, well, let's move on uh, because I'm going through the points of what we are to do in this land of motherhood. And I'm taking it again from the scriptures of the things that God told his people to do in the land when they got to the promised land. And so we're taking them to. Uh, you know, put it into our land of motherhood. So number four is to teach our children diligently. God spoke these words through Moses as they were preparing to go into the promised land. And in chapter 6, verse 1, it says here, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, And the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land where you are going to possess it. And and so he's giving all these instructions for what they are to do in the land. And then in verse 5, he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And so, uh, here is something that God tells them they had to do in the land. And this is, of course, what we will be doing in our land of motherhood. So many of you, this is what you've been doing today. You've been 
home educating your children and um, you are right in the very perfect will of God. Oh, precious homeschooling mothers, can I encourage you today? I know that sometimes you feel overwhelmed and it's all getting on top of you, but be encouraged. You are in the perfect will of God. You're doing what's right. You have the opportunity with your children there to teach them the ways of God. And of course, you'll be doing it the way God tells you to do it. You don't have to sit them all down like in a schoolroom and, okay, give them their lessons. Well, you can do it that way if you want. But really, God's way is not that way. Do you notice what he says? I'll read it this time from the Amplified because uh, the Amplified version, I think, is really great on this scripture. These words which I am commanding you today shall be written on your heart and mind. You shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths. And shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road. That would, of course, maybe be um, driving in the car today. <laughs> um, we'll be talking to our children as we're driving even. And when you lie down and when you get up. And so really, it's just all day. Mm -hmm. It's just an all day teaching and just imparting God's ways. Yes, you'll have your curriculums that you have chosen and they are important. You'll have a good, I know, um, godly, biblical uh, homeschool curriculum. There's so many of them and it's often hard to choose which one. But lovely ladies, can I just pop in something here? Even uh, when you choose your curriculums for your children, remember that you don't have to be totally bound by them. Yes, you've got them there as a basic foundation, but ultimately, oh, teach them God's truth and his principles and his ways and make sure that they're getting penetrating into their hearts and and uh, what's the word for their minds impressing it into their minds and penetrating into their hearts so that they are filled with God's objective truth what he says in his word not what someone thinks not what someone feels teach you children that truth is not what they're feeling at this moment no, it's what God says. Truth is not what they maybe think or heard someone say. No, it's what God says. Let's always be bringing our children back to what God says. That's why it's so important to be filled with his word yourself, isn't it? And to know it because then you have it in your heart and, and it's ready in your mouth to speak it forth. And so, you know, you just begin talking about something with your children. and But you've got that word. Okay, let's see what God says, children. And even if you don't know it, well, ladies, have a concordance. So you can look up a word in the concordance and find the scriptures that where God talks about that subject. Do it with your children. In fact, teach them to learn how to look up a concordance. Every young Christian child and young person should know how to deal with a concordance. 
And, and so it's a great fun to do that. If, if you're not, you know, you haven't got that scripture in your heart, well, okay, children, well, let's, let's find out together what God says and let's get out the concordance and you can look up the word and then you can find all the scriptures about it and then you're going to look up those scriptures together and you'll find God's truth. This is what I do for everything in life. In fact, I have found an answer to absolutely everything in life in God's word. Everything's there if you can just search it out and find it and make that something you do all the time with your children. And you can be doing it together, discovering it, going right into the word, finding out everything God says about that subject. Because really truth, the ultimate truth on any subject is not one scripture, but what God says about that subject from Genesis to Revelation. Now, some, you might just get a few scriptures. Some, you'll get hundreds of scriptures. Wow. But really, to go through them all, that gets you into the ultimate truth. And it, it's so great. And it's so fun. Make doing this with your children just the greatest fun of your lives so that they will always have in their hearts this longing and desire to know, well, what does God say on this subject? And they'll know how to do it. Well, you can also do it on an iPhone because um, if you have an app, I have a wonderful app. It's called the Strong's Concordance, and I can find any scripture, and then I can go to that and it gives me all the Hebrew words and then um, where all those scriptures are. But you can do it with a concordance or whichever way, but teach your children how to do this. I, I know many young people have never used a concordance. Wow. That means they've never really studied God's word. No, let's teach them how to do it so all their lives, on their own, they are able to know how to go into the word and find out what God says. Amen? And this is what he told us to do in the land. This is what we do in the land of motherhood. Um, we go over to chapter 11. And did you know that God repeats these words again. Oh, he doesn't only say them once. He says them again in chapter 11, verses 18 and 19, and uh, right down to verse 21. Yes, I'll just read you a little bit. And ye shall teach them, your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. And when you rise up, see, he's telling them again, making sure it gets into their hearts, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land. You see, this is what we do in the land, in the land of motherhood, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Isn't that beautiful? God says when we will know his ways and we embrace them and we put them into operation in our home and in our lives, we can experience days as heaven upon earth. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's incredible. But we've just got to do it. And 
Yes, and then we go over to uh, chapter 31 in Deuteronomy, and it's he's telling them again. In fact, in chapter, um, yes, chapter 30, he talks, he it tells about, yeah, chapter 29 and chapter 30, it's, um, talks about the song that Moses and chapter, yeah, Moses, chapter 32 actually is the exact song. God told Moses to teach the children of Israel a song so they would remember all the things that God wanted to say to them. And so he says in chapter 31, verse 19, now therefore write this song and teach it to the children of Israel, put it in their mouths. Isn't that interesting? And then verse 21, it says, for it shall not be forgotten out of their mouths of their seed, of their offspring to come. Moses therefore wrote the song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. You can read the song in uh, chapter 32, but God wanted them to actually put it to music. Because it is easier to remember when we sing it, isn't it? In fact, often when we have family devotions and my husband is reading the word of God and he'll read a scripture and, and then all of a sudden he'll start to sing it because he knows uh, a tune to it. He knows so many tunes to the scriptures that he usually ends up singing in our family devotions. Because And how does he remember them? Because there's a tune to them, you know. So, but... We see here that God wants it to get into our minds and into our hearts and into our mouths. And time has gone. Do you have one thing to say as we close, Peggy? Oh, just God bless you, Nancy. Yes. Thank you. And we'll pray. Lord God, we just come into your presence. And Father, I pray for every mother and uh, every wife, all the daughters and young people listening, and even the little children, Lord, pour out your blessing on them all. We ask that you will lead each one of us, all of us, into your truth, into your ways. Help us, Lord, to be mothers who, who do what you have told us to do, to, uh, Lord, penetrate your words into the hearts of our children and to get into their mouths so it will never be forgotten out of their mouths. Lord, we ask that you will help us to do these things in this wonderful, glorious land of motherhood. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.